have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Father, I pray that you bless this morning, Holy Spirit of God. I pray that you'd guide my mind, my thoughts. And, and Lord, I, I, I pray that this, the truth that's in this, this uh, sermon this morning will come across to everyone here. Lord, we need, we need to know that, that this truth wasn't just to Simon Peter. It's to us. And, Lord, I pray that you please bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and ask you to, to guide us, direct us, wrap your arms around us, a hedge of protection to us, please. In Jesus' name, amen. My question this morning as we're going to preach to you is this, and you can be thinking about that. Have you been converted? Have you been converted? Now, the first thought that we have when, when I say a statement like that, you say, well, yeah, Brother Hooker, you're preaching all this. You know most of us, and, and most of us have been saved. I'm asking the question, have you been converted? There was a man named Simon, son of Jonas. He, like the other disciples, followed a deliverer and a provider. That was Jesus. Uh, Simon Peter, uh, as he's going to be known, uh, he's, he was following Jesus, but he was following a deliverer and a provider. And then we have uh, Jesus and the disciples are celebrating a Passover, and Judas is preparing to betray Jesus. Now, Simon had great loyalty and love, but he was, it was to a man that he did not fully understand. The Lord is speaking uh, as they go through the Passover, and, and, he's, and Judas is preparing to, to betray him. The Lord is speaking of his death, and it's at this very moment that the disciples start to accuse each other of being the betrayers. So Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. So they start to look around at each other, and they start saying, you know, is it, you know, who is it? And, and, you know, it's not me. I don't think it's me. And, you know, maybe they're pointing at each other. Now, they're starting to do that, but somehow this is kind of a little statement that's made in there. Somehow this led to who is going to be the greatest among them. It's an amazing thing that takes place here. They're, you know, Jesus is, I mean, really, it's, it's exceptionally amazing. Amazing that they followed the Savior for over three years, and it's all about to culminate in his suffering and his death, and this is what he's talking about to them. And during this moment, their concern is who's going to be the greatest. Which one of us is going to be the greatest here? Which one of us is really going to excel here? Which one of us is going to uh, be uh, beside Jesus? Which one of us? It, it reminded me of a, of a uh, uh, I was, you know, I hate to say it like this, but I was in a conference uh, one time, and I was going to be a, one of the speakers in a conference, and there was about 15 different guys that were going to be speaking in this conference, and there was the leader of the conference, and, and uh, they said, we're going to have a picture and it was amazing to me to watch, it looked like junior hires pushing to try to get beside the leader. I stood back and I thought, That's, this is going to be ridiculous. Everybody, I mean, they're jockeying and pushing and even trying to make sure and, and wedging in so they can be beside the leader. It is amazing. I'm thinking, you know what we got? We got a conference where we can, we can change the lives of thousands of kids. And what we got on our mind is, that, can we be in the picture? Now, apparently, Peter's right in the thick of things since he is also seemingly the human leader of this group. I mean, every time anything's mentioned, it's Peter, James, and John. Although, if you, if you notice here, Jesus calls him Simon. Uh, and there's, you know, there's something to that, but we, we're not going to go that right now. But, but um, 
but he's right in the thick of things. So he's right in this midst of they're all debating on who's going to be the greatest. They're all talking about who's going to. It's kind of like, you know, when we go out and play football out here uh, on a special day and, 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 you know, we get talking war stories about how wonderful we were. How great we are and how, how the things we used to do. I, can, can I tell you, I went out here and I went out and I burned Jeremy three different times for passes. And I missed every one of them. And so, it's unbelievable. I couldn't catch nothing that day. It was, it was what? Oh, shut up. He said the throw was right on. So, I'll get him later. Dion. Now, Jesus turns to Simon Peter, and this is what he says. And, and look, you have to understand, he has to be right in the thick of all this, but he's the leader of these, these boys. So Jesus is going to look at the leader. He looks at the leader, and, he said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Now, now look, any time mama calls you twice, calls your name twice, you're in trouble. Now, Daddy don't bother calling your name twice. He just beats you. But, the, but Mama calls your name twice. Now, Jesus just called his name twice. That means he's trying to get his attention. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you. Now, can I just say this morning, folks, sitting here, thank you for coming to church. Listen, it's more than just coming to church. You've got to understand, Satan desireth to have you. He desireth to have you. Listen, he tried his best for some of you that are sitting here this morning to get you not to be sitting here this morning. You know he did. And some of you, thank God, you pushed through that attack. You got here. Now, please, there's some that didn't. Satan desires to have every one of us. Satan desires to have you. Satan desires to have me. Now, what's, what does he say? That he may sift you as wheat. Man, he's just, he's not, uh, Satan's going to take you and he's going to look for every little thing to accuse you about. He's going to look for every little thing, every little weakness in you. He's going to look for every little weight that besets you. He's going to look for every little sin that he can attack you with. He says, but listen to what, what happened here. He says, but I have prayed for thee. Boy, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, Jesus, I wrote to my girls uh, the other day. I had something that I needed a decision about, and I, and I wrote to them, and I said, listen, you know, you know, I don't tell them ever what I'm talking about, but I, I wrote to them, and I said, look, tell the boys, all of you girls, everybody pray, I need wisdom. And, you know, they wrote back and said, praying, Dad, praying, Dad, praying, Dad, and, and thank God that, that I had them. But, boy, to have Jesus praying for me, anybody imagine what that'd be like? Watch this. If Jesus prayed, that might be answered, huh? Because God kind of likes him because he is God, so he likes himself. You know, watch this. He is praying for us. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. But watch this. He says, what's he praying now? That thy faith fail not. You know, it's a, the heartbreak of, of being in a, a, a work like this or being in the ministry, the heartbreak is, is over the years watching people 
who stepped out in faith, watching people who were growing in faith, watching people who were, who were coming along, so to speak, in their, in their life, in their marriage, in their, in their family, and, and, and their faith failed. One day they're just gone. You know, this is this would would be you know on our this is a you know summer day and and uh, and this would be on a low end for our crowd size. Some people look at that and just say numerically, where are we? But but I don't. I always I always look and think, who is gone that this is their first weekend of a journey away. Their first day of a journey away. When he says, when thou, but notice when it says that thy faith fell not, and then he says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So he looks at Peter and he says, when thou art converted. And, you know, a lot of people have confusion about this, but Jesus uh, has a shock uh, to, to Peter. Uh, to, he has to shock Peter's senses here. Why are they really here? He's asking Peter, what have you been doing for these three years? Do, do Peter and the rest of his disciples not get it yet? Uh, this is not about their success. This is not about them. It's about a lost and dying world. John 21. I want you to go now to John 21. We're going to go uh, there. John 21, verse 15. Look there. John 21, 15. If you can get there very quickly. John 21, 15 says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, notice again, he doesn't call him Peter here, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Of course, I just left you, but yea, you know I love thee, but I, I, I'm, I'm out here on a boat away from you, walked away from you. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Now notice that, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now, several things I, I want to look at this morning in the time that we have. But, but uh, first, first thing I just kind of want to address is, is this, in, in the context kind of what I'm talking about in the title of my sermon, you know, was Peter saved already? Now, saved by definition uh, when you know, the scripture says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, what's that word saved? Saved is to mean to deliver or protect, literally or figuratively, heal, preserve, to be or make whole. And so God says, you know, he makes us whole when we get saved, when we trust Christ as our Savior. Uh, yet I believe, yes, Peter at this moment is saved. I believe Peter has trusted Christ as his Savior. He, he, he already made the statement before this, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He trusted in Christ, although he did not, listen to me now, although he did not fully understand what Christ meant to his life and what Christ expected from his life. You say, how is that possible? Same reason we don't fully understand. So, so often we don't fully understand, what does Christ really have for my life? Now, notice also Jesus said, 
when thou art converted. Now, in this case, he didn't say if thou art converted. He says when thou art converted because, again, Jesus knows that he will be. Uh, it's something about God uh, that's different from us. He knows things that we don't know. Uh, I would say, listen, Satan has a desire to sift every one of us. He's desired to sift every one of us as wheat. He, he, I, I, I pray, and I pray for many uh, of, of you by name, and, and you say, not all of us. If I don't know your name, then I'm not praying for you by name. But I pray for everybody that walks through these doors. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this. The, the, I pray that your faith fail not. And I, and I believe Jesus is praying that your faith fail not. Uh, it, it's vital that your faith fail not. Here's the reason it's so vital for us. And when I pray, I don't know that your faith will not fail. Therefore, I don't know that you will ever be converted. Jesus knew Peter was going to be converted, but I don't know. You know, when somebody steps away or starts to diminish in their faith, and they step away, that's devastating to the heart of those that love them because you don't know that they're coming back. Now, they'll say sometimes, you know, one day I'll get right. You know, one day later, but you don't know that. Converted, what does it mean? The definition of this word converted right here, completely different word from the word saved, uh, it, this word means to revert. It means to come and go again. It means to convert, to return, or turn about again. Listen, folks, this is a different word. This, this you know, when, when we talk about repent, repent is to turn away from where I'm going to go back go a completely different way. Uh, the, the, this word convert means that I was going this way, I turned away from it, and it says to turn back to it again. Do you, everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, now, I believe in the life of Peter, there was a moment of simple faith in Christ. Jesus said he would pray that Peter's faith fell not. So apparently he already had faith. He already had faith in Christ already, and he said, I don't want your faith to fail. What you've been believing, what you've, put, you've placed your faith in me and you've followed me, I don't want your faith to fail. Now, he did not say, I will pray that you have faith so that you can be converted, but rather that your faith, the faith that you already have, that it would fail not. Now, this brings us back to John chapter 21. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Most often this passage is talked about in reference of love and the difference in love and just how Jesus said, and just so you can know, it's not the sermon this morning, but but so often we look at this and, and we say, okay, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me, agape, agapeo, uh, that you, do you love me with a godly love? Do you love me with this, this full love, this intense love? Do you love me? And Peter responded, I phileo you, which means I am in some terms fond of you, but I believe it's, uh, that's a definition, but it's a stronger, it's a brotherly love. It's still a love, but it's a friendship love. Now, that's really not the, 
the context of what I want to preach this morning. But today, I want to look at how Peter was and what he was to do, uh, who he was, and, and, and what he was to do when he was converted. Jesus is going to be the tool of the fulfillment of his prayer for Peter. You see, Jesus said, I prayed for you. Jesus is actually going to be, in a sense, a fulfillment because he's going to come later. He's going to come back to Peter when Peter has walked away from him, when he has turned away uh, from Jesus. He said, I go fishing, and he's out here on the ship. He's taken uh, six others with him, and they've, they're, they're gone away from Jesus, and Jesus comes to them to call him back. So he's, he's actually, in a sense, the tool to fulfill the fulfillment of his prayer for Peter. Jesus reaches out to Peter, and he begins to teach Peter what he must understand if he is to fulfill the command Jesus gave him. Now, this is where we're, we're leading to it, folks, and just hang with me on this. Uh, Jesus not only was warning Peter, and he said, I'll pray for you that your faith fail not, but he gave Peter a command in all of that that's just so often just blown aside. He said, now, when you're converted, you need to do something. Strengthen the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. This, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That's the command that Peter was given. Strengthen thy brethren. As soon as you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, this whole conversation that, that Jesus has with Peter is so Peter will understand how to strengthen the brethren. And one of the keys to this conversation here in John chapter 21 is not the word love right now. The key is the word that Jesus used for the word feed. You see, the word feed found in feed my lambs is very different from the word feed found in feed my sheep. Feed the lambs means, uh, well, lambs are younger. Lambs are more delicate. Lambs represent the new Christian, the young Christian. That doesn't mean a, a physical age, but, but someone young in Christ. Feed the lambs means to instruct children in faith. They need truth fed to them, and if it's done so through love, they will be receptive. That's why Jesus was really pushing this issue of love, and again, we're not going there, but he's saying, feed my little one. Feed my tender ones. The young lamb follow more easy, the, easily if fed and less likely to be caught up in their pride and opinion. See, the young ones, they don't get caught up in everything. They're just with their mouths open. They're looking for food. A young lamb is just, feed me. A young lamb is ready for the shepherd to say, come here, uh, here's some food. Let me give it to you. Let me feed you. A young lamb, and God's saying, you need to make sure that you're ready to feed them, to nurse them. How, how do you feed them? Uh, it means to, to, to give them the word of God. Feed the sheep. When he says feed the sheep, means to exercise the office of a shepherd to rule, to regulate, to lead, to manage. 
Do you understand that the lambs do not so much need keeping in order as we, as we do who have been in church, who know so much yet don't really realize we know so little. We who have been around often tend to think we are so far advanced that we can judge one another and look down on one another. And you know what? We end up needing to be managed. The older sheep have to be managed. They have to be pushed into a direction. They have to be directed. They have to be uh, organized. The, The lambs, the young Christian mainly need to be taught the doctrines, the precepts, the life of the gospel. They need to have divine truth for their sustenance put before them with clarity and strength of conviction. They often follow easily. They just need to be fed and will follow willingly. The sheep in the average church need to be managed in order that the flock will continue the right direction and continue feeding from the right pasture. And you say, Brother Hooker, what in the world are you talking about? The word feed here for feed my lambs is the word bosco, and it means to graze. The duty of the Christian teacher, the duty of the Christian is to, in every way they can, to, to build and feed the young Christian. The spiritual welfare of the Christian is vital. The, the word feed uh, for feed my sheep is poimeno, uh, and it means to tend as a shepherd, to rule. Now, I got on one hand, keep them in good food. On the other hand, I've got to protect them from the enemy and from themselves. Now, watch this. Jesus, prevent, Jesus is presenting the full ministry to Peter. Now, I know most of you out here think, man, this is to a bunch of preachers or something. This is not to us. Hold on, it's getting to us. I just like to have messages where you just, at least you just stay with me because you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay? I just, right now, all I'm doing is I'm trying to keep your attention because you're thinking, what in the world is he saying and where is he going? And as soon as I figure it out, I'm going to tell you. But Jesus presenting this full ministry of Peter, and and his full ministry is to feed and to lead. And he's telling them about that, and he's telling them how to do it. He's teaching Peter that men need different types of leadership, teaching, and guidance. But watch, in that whole conversation, the necessary commonality is love. The greater the love, the greater the strengthening of the brethren. We must learn, learn to love people. We must learn to love people and love people to Christ. You know what our food bank is all about, folks? Yeah, it's 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 giving somebody some food for a day or two. It's it's feeding their belly for for the day. And and I believe we should do that. I believe part of the Christian life is 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 meeting physical needs. But can I tell you, it doesn't meet their physical needs for very long. Uh, we. It's more than that. What we're trying to demonstrate to them is there's somebody that loves you. And watch this. More than we say we love you, we will demonstrate our love by our sacrifice and our giving to you. And when they walk away, if they don't know anything else, I hope they think, I hope they know that there's somebody in the church somewhere that actually puts feet to what they say and do what they say and actually love them in action, not just in word. 
So we must learn to love. We got to love people to Christ. We are drawn towards those who love us. You know, you're probably, if you're in this morning, if somebody beside you love you, you're probably sitting closer to them than you would be sitting if there was somebody beside you you didn't know loved you. And so, uh, you know, we're drawn to people that love us. We're comfortable with people that love us. And, and we need to let a community know out here that we love them. Those in this community will be drawn towards us and through us to Jesus through the love of Christ. You cannot truly care for people in all their sins and temptations and trials and difficulties and weaknesses unless you love them. You know what? If we all love each other in this room, then we will put up with a whole lot. You know, because Jesus put up with a whole lot with us. And if we truly love each other, then when somebody fails, somebody stumbles, somebody makes a mistake, listen, we don't condemn them. We pick them up. We love them. That's what true love is. Now, so this little study we're doing right now leads us to three statements that should cause us to evaluate ourselves and where we are in the Christian life. And here's just three simple statements that I get out of this whole mess that I use to deliver, to get you in confusion so that you'll listen. And I had to take up 30 minutes, so I had to, you know, throw some <laughs> stuff in. Here's one, this statement. The day we get saved, we may realize how much Christ loves us. You know, the day that, you get, that I got saved, I really started to understand how much Jesus loved me because I really never fully understood why he died other than the fact that everybody's got to die. But when I fully understood that he chose to die, that he gave his life for me, I began to understand his love for me. Statement number two the day we are converted is the day we realize how much we love Him. You know what the problem is, folks? So many, so many Christians have never been converted. And I'm not talking about salvation. I believe they're Christians. I believe they're saved. Jesus was trying his best to get Peter. Oh, Peter knew Christ loved him. What Jesus was trying to do is get Peter to the point where he really recognized whether he loved Christ. And he said, when you're converted, you will now understand your love for me. Number three, the day we finally realize how much we love him is the day we begin to strengthen the brethren. You see, John chapter 21 is a very important chapter about our, our love for Christ, but it's also very important that we understand that Jesus was making it clear that the kind of lover we are will determine the kind of feeder we are. He's making it clear that how we love will determine how we desire to feed and meet the needs of somebody else. The disciples, even at the Passover, hearing the death of Jesus, were consumed with self and, and their own personal greatness. 
Now, watch this now. The disciples at the Passover, these are, I believe, saved men, but what they're really concerned about is, and they're hearing about the death of Jesus now, which they've all been, you know, Jesus has been telling them this, that this is going to happen, and now we're just right here at the point of it happening, but they're still consumed with self and their own personal greatness, their own personal success. The disciples, if you read the Bible, the disciples at their conversion were consumed with their love for Christ, which drove them around the world to reach others for Christ. Something changed when Peter was converted. He stopped being a guy to look uh, always, uh, uh, hey, fellas, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, we're going to have this, and I'm going to sit right hand of Jesus, and, and oh, we're going to be in power one day. And, and, man, we're pretty prominent, and thousands of people gather around to see us when Jesus speaks, and I'm part of the crowd, and I'm his main man. He stopped thinking that way, and he came over here. He was converted, and he was saved all along. But finally, he said, this isn't about that. It's about my love for him. And he said, I love him, and he has begged me to strengthen the brethren. Have you been converted? I got saved, and, and I realized the love of God for me at, at 20 years of age. November 8, 1975, I trusted Christ. But for about four years plus, maybe five, I remained a young man living for pleasure, for possessions, for success, looking for everything that could be provided that would allow me to enjoy life. Because that's what it's all about, right? Even us good Christians, I, Primarily, what's this about? I want to be successful. I want to be good. I want to be blessed. I want, I want to have all those things. I want to enjoy my life. One day, about four years later, maybe five, I don't remember exactly, I found myself on my knees at an altar. And I believe on my knees at that altar that day, I was converted. I was converted and I began to understand how much I should love my Savior. And from that day is when it began in me the desire to strengthen the brethren. I was just a young police officer and I wasn't in church very long. But a man named Jimmy C. White, never heard of him since. I, that name just lodged in my brain, things like that, because of the change in my life. But he's a missionary, and he came to preach that one time at our church, a little bitty church. And, and I came forward, and I fell on my face there. And I believed at that moment my life needed to go a different direction, that God wanted me. And he wanted more than just having me sitting at church. He wanted more than just having me trying to live a good life. He had saved me through his love. 
He wanted me to make a difference in other people's lives through my love for him. Because if you love him, you love others. So that day I, I rose and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't expecting my dad to be here, but until that day, I'm not sure I really grasped and focused at the fact that maybe some of my family might not be saved. You say, how could that be? I had it. And when your focus is on you, you're not really thinking about whether anybody else does. You know what? You blow it off. You just assume, oh, they must be okay. It was just me that didn't have it. And now I do. Now I'm saved. And for the next four years, I'm not even thinking about whether anybody else in my family is or not. Why? Because I was like Peter. Saved and consumed with a deliverer and a provider. He's going to bless me. When I got up from there, it wasn't many weeks or I don't know, maybe months, but it's been so long ago, but God opened the door for us to have, start work with the teenagers, only five or six teenagers in our church, and 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 God impressed our heart, and the preacher came and said, would you work with the teenagers? We did, and and within months, we had about 25 teenagers. Now, I didn't know anything. didn't know how to teach them, didn't know anything, but, but I did know two things. One, if I played ball with them, uh, I'd get athletes to come, and girls would follow the athletes. And so I played ball every Sunday out in the field, out in, in front. I played some kind of ball every Sunday. As soon as church was over, we changed clothes, ran out there, started playing ball, and just more and more and more and more kept coming, and and, they, and, and it was great. I also found out that if I just left my door open to my house and I kept my refrigerator unlocked, <laughs> that they would come by. And every day, almost of our life, for the next two and two and a half years, there were some teenagers in our house raiding my refrigerator. Sometimes I would wake up in the morning. We never locked our doors anywhere, but I woke up one morning and I had six teenage boys sleeping on the floor in my house. You say, are you crazy? No, nah, I just, you know, I told them they could come anytime because I figured it's better for them to show up sleep on my floor than to be out in the street someplace. But something had changed. I'd been saved November 8, 1975, but it wasn't until about 1979 that I was converted. It's not the love of God that determines our effort for God, but our love for God that will determine our effort for God. We so often we think, God loves me, and he does. But do we love? Have we been converted? Is there anybody in this room today that's here because of you? Is there anybody in this room that wouldn't be here if you didn't love them like you do? 
Is there anybody that could be in this room if we truly love them enough to want to strengthen the brethren? Mighty quiet. But I know I went way too long before I was converted. And I'm not talking about perfection now, folks. I'm so far from perfect, and I fail everybody all the time. I understand that, but I'm just saying this is when God changed my whole perspective about what am I really living for. And, and the Lord told Peter, here's your whole job, buddy. When you're converted... Strengthen thy brethren. Strengthen thy brethren. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. I, 